What if you could pinpoint these key concepts that you could teach your child, that you could layer into the conversations as you're getting ready in the morning, as you're driving to school, driving to sports? What kind of impact could that have on the life of your child long-term? When instead of listening to everything everyone has to say around them, they knew what God's Word said of who God is, how would that change things? Welcome to our Snapshot series, where we are going to be taking these core ideas of who God is, different attributes of God, and we're going to be learning them in a way that we can speak them into the lives of our children, both now and every day moving forward for the rest of our lives. Our God is a pursuing God. He pursues us. And this is an attribute that I love to unpack with my kids, that our God is a pursuing God, that from the beginning of time, He has highlighted this to us in story after story in the Old Testament. I love asking my kids this question, how is God in pursuit in this story? So from the beginning in the garden, we see God pursuing man, don't we? He's walking through the garden, calling to Adam and Eve, knowing full well, because he is sovereign, what we talked about yesterday, but knowing full well where they are, why they are there, what has transpired. And yet he doesn't wait for Adam and Eve to hang out so long in the garden until they, I don't know, break down and cry. Instead, he pursues them. They're not pursuing God at this point. Their sin is has absolutely broken it, and God pursues them. And then if you move forward in Scripture, he pursues Noah. He seeks Noah out in a landscape of men who are not seeking out God at all. And he pursues Noah, and he lays out for Noah a way of safety, a way of salvation for Noah and his family. He pursues Hagar in the desert, brokenhearted and desperate and believing that she and her son are going to die, he pursues her. And he becomes for her the God who sees. And she declares in that desert that God sees me. He pursues Jonah. He's called Jonah to do a task that Jonah absolutely does not want to do, not one bit. And yet God pursues Jonah, even in his waywardness. He pursues Moses and the Israelites. You know, he he came to their rescue in Egypt, and then he brings them into this wilderness land, and he's up with Moses. He knows exactly what's happening down below, and yet he continues to pursue to provide the way of relationship with him to people who are wayward, who always are looking back at what was in Egypt, wanting to be back there, totally miscuing and worshiping pagan idols and creating idols when they've just watched the God of the universe part seas, and yet he pursues. He pursued Peter. Jesus pursued Peter. It's one of my favorite stories. Peter denies Christ. Jesus from the beginning knew 
Peter was going to deny him. It says, hey, Peter, I have prayed for you because you're going to be denying me. That's what Jesus says. So not only does he know that Peter's going to deny him, he's because he's sovereign, has known it ahead of time, and he's put it into effect. He's literally already prayed for what is to come. And so he gives warning in his pursuit of Peter, in relationship with Peter. And then after, after the resurrection, it says that he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why would Jesus say that? Peter was a disciple. He said it because he needed to pursue Peter. And for us, when when we are struggling with walking with Jesus and we feel like, man, we have wrecked this or wrecked that, it's too much for God. Knowing that Jesus said, and Peter, has been radical in conversations with my own kids about when they are struggling with their sin, when they're struggling with returning to Jesus, when they've been in seasons of doubt or rebellion, to be able to sit with them in that story in scripture and say, look what Jesus said about Ann Peter. And then finally, the story of Paul. God pursued Paul. Paul, who was actively, actively murdering and and killing anyone who was a follower of Jesus. He had a hatred for Jesus and all of his people. And God pursued Paul on the road to Damascus and transformed him, shifted his allegiance, and called him to himself. So you're never going to be too far gone for your God to continue to pursue you. And the reason we know this in Scripture is in Luke 15. And I crack this open with my kids all the time. You know, our kids will struggle with whether or not God would pursue them. Whether he is a personal God for them. We talked about that last week. Whether he is kind enough, good enough, patient enough. We've talked about these other attributes, but for today, looking at Luke 15, we see that our God is a pursuing God. And Jesus gives these first two parables in Luke 15. He says the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And both of these, the sheep has wandered off and the shepherd goes and leaves the 99 to go hunt for the sheep that is lost. And he finds it, puts it on his shoulders and goes back. And then, of course, the coin is a woman had 10 coins but loses one, cleans out her entire house until she finds it. And in both of these things, both of these people who are searching both for the sheep and for the coin, they basically throw parties at the end, right? They're so thrilled that what was lost has become found. But then Jesus gives this story like just a huge glow up, I think, because he tells the story of the prodigal son. Now, for me, and we can look at this, there's lots and layers and layers of truths in this. But when I'm talking with my kids about the prodigal son, there are three things I want them to see. And it's all about the posture of the father towards this son. The son basically goes off. Then he decides, you know what? I was better off in my dad's house than laying in this pig mess. And so I'm just going to go and ask if I can have scraps from the table and be like a servant in his house. It would be better than this. And it says that the father saw the son from a ways off and his father felt compassion and his father ran and embraced him and kissed him. So there's three concepts about that and they're all father-driven concepts. They're not the son. The son didn't do anything, nothing. The son was just like hoping for scraps. 
But the father sees him while he's a long way off, has compassion on him, and runs to him. And so when we're walking with our kids who have extreme doubts about where they stand with God and whether what they have done is too much and God would never accept them, and the enemy is going to tell them they have crossed the line too many times or they've crossed the line that is an uncrossable line. And so we want to be mothers standing in that space saying there is no line too far that God will not see you from afar off, have great compassion on you, and run to you. We need to see this, and we need to speak this into our kids' lives. Even when it seems like it's going in one ear and out the other, we want to layer this attribute of God that our God pursues us into the hearts and minds of our kids. Because there will be a day when they will need to hear that ringing in their ear as they maybe get down on their knees in a dark room and finally surrender. They need to know that the compassion of God is for them, that He is running towards them, and He embraces them fully. And so that's why we speak about this attribute. Our God is a pursuing God. Thanks for joining me today on Snapshots of Who God Is. Make sure you get on the newsletter so that you get not just today's truth, but the truths for this entire week. We send them out on a weekly basis so that you have them, where you can keep them in front of you, keep them in your Bible, where you can learn them both for yourself and for your child.